Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And today we're going to be talking about what I consider to be one of the most valuable players you can have in your game, and that is the Quartermaster. Okay, so whilst it's not an official class in D&D or anything like that, having a Quartermaster can, in my opinion, be a real boon for your game sessions. Mm-hmm. So... First of all, what do we mean when we say a quartermaster? Well, as is my want, I've been on and looked this up in the online Collins Dictionary, mm-hmm. and it defines a quartermaster as an officer responsible for accommodation, food, and equipment in a military unit. Now, when I talk about quartermasters in D&D games, I use it to refer to a player who takes charge of like group funds, you know, gold, dividing treasures, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, now. By no means should this position be like forced on anybody. Not everyone loves tracking every gold piece and gem that the party's dredged up out of the dungeon. But if you're lucky enough to have a player who likes that sort of stuff and sort of pretty much volunteers for it, it can be really useful for you as a GM. Mm-hmm. Now, not too long ago, love, we both played in a very enjoyable Band of Blades campaign run by Johannes Pavela. Indeed. And there's like actual plays on the YouTube channel of that. And in this Forged in the Dark game, for those who don't know, Forged in the Dark is just a variant of Power by the Apocalypse, originally used in the game Blades in the Dark. And in this game, you attempt to marshal the remnants of the shattered human forces of the Legion, who've been routed by the undead armies of darkness, and are now attempting to make a fighting retreat back to the fortress at Skydagger Keep, where you can make a heroic class stand. In this game, you play both the members of the Legion that you send out on missions, and also the leaders of the force who choose the missions, manage the recruits, and also handle the supply chain for the armies. Now, that role of the person who handles the supply chain is the Quartermaster. So in our three-player game, I said other people should pick first what they wanted to do, and I'd take whatever's left over. So I eventually ended up being the Commander, and love, you chose to be the Quartermaster. Yep. Why did you go for the Quartermaster role in particular? Uh, honestly, because it's a class I've never played before in a fantasy game. Okay. Um, I've never seen it done as a specific class before. Um, it's a role that I've always made sure I've accounted for when I've done pirate-type games because okay. it's such an important role on a ship. Yeah, like tracking shares of treasure and stuff like that. And it's a role that I've included in sci-fi games as well, but I've not seen it in a fantasy game before, so it sounded interesting to play. And how did you actually find playing that role during that campaign? Well, the whole campaign's quite brutal on the players. Like, yes. There's a, a lot of horrible things. Yeah, it's like um, military horror, isn't it, basically? Yeah. <laughs> and I think what I found like the most difficult part of the role that I had, although it was fun to do, yeah, it was also quite difficult to work out. We'd have three missions at the start of the game, like each session, and we'd have to pick two that we could actually put resources towards and just accept that the third one was going to fail. Yeah, it's sort of working out what you could afford to fail, isn't it? Yeah, and that obviously... I'm not a grimdark player. That very much underlined the grimdark element of the game. Whereas I love it. It was fun, and Johannes made sure it stayed fun the whole way through. Um, Yeah, he's a really good GM. 
but I also found that I was spending quite a lot of the time in game trying to work out things like oh if we're in this place what is there we can take that will be useful sort of further down the line yeah what is there that we can take back to the quartermaster character because you have like a characters and b characters in that game yeah um what is there that can go back to the army to make the next session slightly easier yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. And I mean, although it's not the same as just having a player who volunteers like in a D&D game to be the quartermaster, I thought it was interesting because, as you've said, it's not something that tends to get enshrined in the rules of like mm-hmm. your sort of traditional fantasy game. I don't know, it's really coming because it's like a military fantasy game, but I thought it was an interesting and different spin on it. It really sort of emphasised that whole, like, you're mm-hmm. part of a a military legion you have to worry about things like how many men we've got what the supply chain's like mm-hmm. have we got enough horses are we got enough food can we afford to use some of our supplies to make siege engines from and stuff like there that there are things that came up like um can we take in this group of refugees and looking at the quartermaster sheet i'm like unless they've got some food with them no we can't yeah it's I mean, bleak to have to say <laughs> yeah it is bleak and, it, and it's very much a game sort of a band of blades about making those hard decisions isn't it mm-hmm. where if you're like oh we've only got enough food to feed the men we've got now to get us to like the next town and then we've got to get food there and some of the people turn up and they're like oh we've had a really rough time of it can we come with you guys sometimes you have to look at them and you're like well if we've only got enough food for the people we've got now we haven't got enough food for these people Unless they've got skills um, that make it worth having them along. And we don't know whether or not any of these people are enemy spies, which became quite an issue later on in the game as well. Yeah. So what benefits does having a quartermaster bring in a more traditional like D&D style game? Well, if you're lucky enough to have a player who assumes the role of a quartermaster, it brings the following benefits. It saves time during a game with the player characters deciding how to allocate the treasure between themselves. You can just bang it straight into a party fund. Like sort of group share effectively, like you're talking about with um, pirate games and stuff like that. It also frees the GM from having to worry about what treasure the PCs possess since a player is managing it. Now, in my Smoke and Snow Old School Essentials campaign, we're lucky enough to have had Rob Fitzpatrick assume this role, and he keeps a list of all the stuff that the party has on a Google document in a mm-hmm. google drive that we all have access to and that's one great way you can make things like that work you can just share the link with everyone anytime anyone wants they can quickly nip in the google drive see what's on the big list and i've got access to this list as well so i can check it at any time which is really handy for me as a gm Another benefit is when the group engages in a project that needs funds, whether it's building a fortress, a domain, or something else, the group don't have to deal with shuttling funds between the player characters and going, oh, I've got 150 gold pieces and I've got 250 gold pieces. They can just, the quartermaster can simply just sort of say, right, we all agreed that we're going to spend this money and they can take it out of the group funds and it's dealt with. So, we've talked about the benefits. Yeah. What about the drawbacks? Okay. So, obviously, you need the player to be suited to the role. Yeah, I mean, you need someone with organisational skills and the ability to do the job, basically. Yeah. uh, Also, they need to be an honest player. Um, If your group's known for fiddling the numbers, 
then the GM's going to want to keep track of this sort of thing themselves. Yeah, and I suppose it comes down to as well whether you consider the quartermaster to be like an in-character position or like an out-of-character position. Mm -hmm. Because in my old school essentials game, it's very much like an out-of-character thing. Mm -hmm. So like Rob keeps track of it all out-of-character, but it's not really represented as his character being the quartermaster. It's just like we've got this big group pot that we put all of our money and our treasure in, and then we draw from that when we need it, and Rob sort of keeps track of the spreadsheet because he's really good at doing that. But I suppose if you did it more as an in-character sort of... uh, thing and you maybe got the characters aren't quite so honest mm-hmm. perhaps there might be a little more trouble with it well years ago I played in a game where the GM had an NPC henchman that followed the player characters around and did a very similar role, he basically carried all their stuff and he didn't have a character sheet, he had a name at the top of an equipment list Okay. That was what the players had access to if he was there with them. And we had to like pick what we were taking with us because he wouldn't go into the dungeons with us. He was too scared. So more sort of like a, a hireling than a retainer. Yeah. yeah, just someone to like watch the cart and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that's potentially a good rationale to justify it in character, you know. Maybe you have like a hireling who's like the treasurer or whatever and he doesn't go on the missions with you or whatever, but he keeps track of it all then you could maybe have some sort of things like in character if you wanted to like oh has this guy been like skimming off the top of like the party funds or whatever mm-hmm. and it's not too bad because it's not like a player character it's not causing like friction amongst the actual like out of character group I suppose mm-hmm. um, another thing to consider is that your players just might not want to do it um, I can think of a couple of people that we've gamed with that would not want to have a group fund. They would want to keep track of their own things themselves and not have to worry about other people's stuff and yeah. also not share the stuff they've earned with other people. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends as well on what sort of riches or whatever you're talking about. I mean, certainly in the game I run at the minute, it tends to be like magic items and like unique things are allocated to like a particular player or a particular mm-hmm. player like gets the use of it. Whereas like your general cash and jewels and stuff like that, your currency, if you will, is just sort of lumped together in a big fund. So when you're like, oh yeah, we need we need 500 gold pieces to build like a, a farmhouse or whatever, you can just reach into that big pot with everyone's agreement and draw that money out Mm -hmm. and i think that's another important thing to mention obviously if you're doing it for like a group project it has to be the case that everyone who's been putting in agrees to it now this hasn't been really a problem in my old school essential games because they're a party of player characters are all like sort of working together with reasonably like aligned goals but if you're running a game where people's goals are maybe not so aligned I could see that potentially being an issue if you've got one player who's like, oh, well, I want to build a, I want to build a temple that's going to cost like 5,000 gold pieces. And the people in charge of it are like, well, we've only got like 6,000 gold pieces. No, we don't want to build a temple. So I could see it causing a bit of friction there. But yeah, I think as long as you keep in mind that it's supposed to be something to like facilitate play and make things easier, it's not really mm-hmm. designed to like cause friction between the group. As long as you keep that in mind and you've got someone who's willing to do the job, it can be a great thing for your game, and it's one less thing that gets lumped on the GM's shoulders. Yeah, absolutely keeping a shared equipment list for shared equipment, if you're doing shared equipment, and putting a player in charge of that 
Yeah, and I also like the one of the things it does add in, particularly like an old school game, mm-hmm. is you have to think about where that loot's going to be kept. Mm-hmm. Now, that could be dead simple, like say in my old school essentials game, that was just the players going like, oh, let's buy a couple of carts and a couple of hirelings to keep an eye on the carts. Mm-hmm. Right, that's where our loot is, it's in the carts. Mm-hmm. Or it could be like, you know, you, you set up a building, like, a, or you put it in a bank if you're in a more civilised setting. And I suppose another thing to keep in mind is how realistic you want this fund to be. Like, yeah. do you have to go to a bank in a particular place to get your cash? Or do you just use it? I mean, I've veered more towards the, all right, okay, if you want to pay your hirelings, it doesn't matter if you're in exactly the same town as them. You know, you can just cross the money off your sheet and it's assumed they get paid rather than have to keep track of like, oh, we're not in the right place to spend this money and we need to be in this place to get hold of these resources that we've got. That's more detail than I want in my standard D&D game. But, you know, if that's your thing, Mm. that's fine. You know, it's it's what works for your group. Anyway, I hope we've given you a few thoughts there on the use of quartermasters in your games. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do so in a couple of different ways. You can leave us a voicemail message using either SpeakPipe or our old Anchor account. Links in the description below. Or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Maybe you'd like to leave us a message saying how you, you have a quartermaster in your game or why you think group funds are a good or bad idea or maybe you want to suggest something for a future episode either way we look forward to hearing from you and whatever you're playing stay safe keep gaming and we'll catch you soon bye Bye.